0: an opportunity to meet uh, several of you. Um, and uh, for those of you who have not, I would like to, uh, to uh, get to know you after service. Uh, we do have a meal prepared uh, directly after service. It is breakfast, which is one of my favorite meals, no matter what time of day you have it. And uh, you are welcome to stay and join us uh, for that. I am not the normal preacher. Uh, I'm one of the elders here uh, and uh, help teach, Uh, Our our former preacher has gone to another work, and we are in the process of uh, hiring for a new new minister. Um, One of the books that we went through, um, well, we didn't actually go through the book, did we, Jerry? One of the topics we went through on Wednesday night while Joel was here was that of a Sunday school catch-up. And that book has finally came out uh, by Focus Press, uh, by Jack Wilkie, and I got a copy of it the other day. I'm about a quarter of the way through it. Uh, very good book. It goes kind of back to the Bible basics. If you have a particular topic you want to look at, uh, you can look in the back and say priesthood is number 46. You turn over to page or to uh, number 46, and it's got a whole bunch of Scripture and information about priesthood uh, from both the Old Testament and the New uh, it's laid out in a chronological order if you want to read it straight through, which is the way that I've been reading it, but a very good book to have, so I just wanted to mention that. You see the uh, the slide there, and the title of our lesson today is We've Got Issues. And you, you think about that, and um, I wanted to, to be clear that that could mean all kinds of we've got issues, okay? Okay. Uh, It's important to note that maybe you as an individual have issues. Um, Maybe us as a congregation may have issues. Maybe us as a state, as a country, and even as the world can have issues. You know there are several things that are important for us to note uh, in relationship to issues. That is Our physical health is important, our spiritual health is important, and our mental health is important. All of those are very important um, issues that one might have. And I kind of want to talk about all of those uh, this morning. So uh, if you'll bear with me, I only have 15 pages of notes. But not to worry, that's notes for me, so the sermon's not going to be that long. Thank you. Thank you, Nan. So uh, Christians today are confronted with many conflicting views about morality. We have a culture in the world, and oftentimes locally and uh, nationwide, of much different culture than we used to have. Now, culture in itself is about what is acceptable within a, a particular people, a particular nation, a particular group of people. And we know that as time changes, culture changes as well. But it's important for us as Christians to look back to what the culture should be in relationship to our Christianity, and relationship to what God would have us to do as a Christian. People have different opinions concerning what is right and wrong in the world and in the culture in which we live. What once was generally accepted as good and true is now challenged by many people in the world. And oftentimes these groups are very small groups with very loud voices. And they get together as that group and they want to speak loud from the the hilltop so that everyone else is forced to hear. And that means that it is difficult for us as Christians sometimes to navigate life. Governments are redefining the concept of marriage of gender businesses are often operate with ethics that sanction lying and stealing because many people look to other things other than a standard by which they get their difference between right and wrong How does one know what is right and wrong in the areas of morality? Well, I hope by the end of this lesson this morning we all understand or have a better understanding or a reminder of what morality looks like in reference to the standard of God's Word. Everyone has a sense of right and wrong in and of themselves, but the standard of right and wrong often differs. The first of which is people's feelings. Now I would venture to say that every one of us feel different ways about different things. Would you agree with that? And if we all went by how we feel about a particular thing, I would venture to say we would probably have close to over a hundred different ways of interpretation of God's Word. Or morality as a whole, if each one of us individually goes by how we feel. If it feels good, it must be right, is the mantra of the world. The Bible warns against trusting in feelings. There is a way which seems right to man, but its end is the way of death. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool. Proverbs chapter twenty-eight and verse twenty-six. O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself; it is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. Jeremiah ten and verse twenty-three. Go back to your Bible in Genesis chapter six and verse five. Genesis chapter six and verse five. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And come over to Mark chapter 7 in verse 21. Mark chapter 7 in verse 21. For from within, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within that defile a man. If we go by only our feelings, we will be deceived. We will go in many different directions, not all paddling in the same direction, and we'll be even more confused than we already are by all of the different things that are thrown in our face by our culture and world today. Many people have destroyed themselves by following their feelings. The second standard by which people often uh, want to to look at is their conscience. And you know old Jiminy Cricket in... uh, In Pinocchio, he said, always let your conscience be your guide. Jiminy Cricket should have gotten a little bit more wisdom because we understand that your conscience can be seared by evil thoughts of men and by evil thoughts from within. One's conscience is not always reliable. Paul had served God with a good conscience throughout his life, Acts chapter 23 and verse 1. Even at a time when he was persecuting Christians, Acts chapter 26, verses 9 through 11, he thought his feelings and his conscience said, what I'm doing and persecuting Christians is right, but we know that it was wrong. Our conscience is is like a clock which works properly only if it is set properly. We're having some uh, daylight savings time come pretty soon. We'll be, we'll be uh, springing forward with our clocks. But uh, if you have an appointment at a certain time after that occurs and you haven't set your clock properly, guess what? You're not going to be there on time. You're going to be there when? Early. No, you're going to be late if you don't set it forward. How about using our friends as a guide? Is that a good idea? So we talked about feelings in our conscience. How about our friends? Well, everyone else is doing it. So it must be okay if everyone else is doing it. But consider the words of Jesus in describing the end of the majority. Matthew chapter 7 Verses 13 and 14. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many that go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few there be that find it. Let's follow the crowd. Let's follow our friends. They've got to be right, and everyone else is doing it. So let's just go ahead and do the same thing. If you followed the majority in Noah's day, you would have perished in the flood. In Joshua's day, you would have perished in the wilderness. So following the majority can be like lemmings running over a cliff. We'll follow them to our detriment and to ultimately our spiritual death. How about following our ministers? Or anyone in the religious world, those of preachers, priests, rabbis, etc., says that what I'm doing is okay... They reason that surely these men of God could not lead them astray. Yet notice the warnings given by Jesus, Paul, and Peter. Religious leaders can be blind leaders of the blind, and if the blind lead the blind, Matthew chapter 15, verses 12 through 14, what happens? They both fall in the ditch. There will be false teachers with destructive ways, that come about in the world, Second Peter chapter one or Second Peter chapter two verses one through three. Following the wrong minister can lead to corruption. So that can't be the standard by which we follow either. So we're not supposed to follow our feelings only, we're not supposed to follow our conscience only, we're not supposed to follow our friends only, we're not supposed to follow our ministers only, so what do we do? It is clear that many people accept as authority and morality should not be the guide for Christians. So what do we do? The Christian's authority and morality is that Jesus has all authority. In heaven and on earth, Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18, in all areas including sexual mores and behavior, Ephesians chapter four, verses seventeen through twenty-four. If you'll turn over there to the book of Ephesians, chapter four, we'll begin reading in verse seventeen, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk in the rest of the Gentiles, walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in futility in their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Because of the blindness in their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness and work of uncleanness, uncleanliness and greediness. But you, who have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus. Verse 22 that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. He will one day judge all mankind. Acts chapter 17, verses 30 and 31 For the time of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands every man everywhere to what? Repent. Stop sinning on purpose. Have a change of mind. And the standard of judgment will be His words. John chapter 12 and verse 48. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. Jesus is the ultimate standard of judgment of authority and morality. Amen? Not our feelings, not our conscience, not our friends, not our ministers. God's Word and Jesus' words there contained in are the standard for our morality. No matter how many people speak about changing things in culture... No matter how many sins become acceptable and mainstream, the Christian's job is to look back to God's Word to make sure that our morality is based on Scripture. Therefore, we have a need to speak up, to let it be known that the teachings of culture sometimes do not measure up to God's morality. Jesus delegated authority to his apostles while on earth. To receive them is to receive him, Matthew chapter 10 and verse 40, and John chapter 13 and verse 20. They were sent as ambassadors for Christ, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20. To ensure reliability, Jesus promised them the Holy Spirit, John chapter 14 and verse 26. The Spirit would guide the apostles into all truth, John chapter 16, verses 12 and 13. Thus the apostles proclaimed the whole counsel of God, Acts chapter 20 and verse 27. Christians were to accept the apostles' words as what? As truth. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 37. So the apostles' doctrine is the Christian standard for authority. Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. Their authority pertains to areas of morality. As Paul solemnly charged the church of Thessalonica... In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 through 8, addressing sexual immorality and marital faithfulness, he gave them instruction of what they should and should not do. As he likewise wrote to the church in Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 32 that we just read, addressing lewdness, greediness, and deceitful lust, lying and anger, stealing, and foul language. Morality is an integral part integral part, of the truth that is in Jesus. It is necessary and it is important to the Christian to look to God's word for the standard by which we live. Not to look to culture, not to look to feelings, not to look to your conscience or your friends, but to look to God's word. Many people go through life confused about morality. They constantly wonder, is this right or wrong for me to do? And oftentimes we'll go to God's Word in an opposite way to try to defend the practice that they're doing that may not be in accordance to God's will at all because they take Scripture out of context. They stumble their way through life making wrong choices with terrible consequences. And ultimately, if you do that all your life and you never repent and you never come to the truth and the knowledge of the truth, what's going to happen to you in the end? Eternal punishment, not eternal reward. The Christian need not be confused about morality. The truth is in Jesus Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 21. God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. There are many issues in the world. There are many issues in the church. There are many issues in our state and our country But we need to look to God's Word for the answers to these issues. Some of the issues that the world faces today, sexual immorality, the institution of marriage, divorce and remarriage, homosexuality, abortion, domestic violence, euthanasia, gambling, alcohol, tobacco, immodest apparel, dishonesty, mental health issues. All of these things be of the world. They can all lead us astray. It's important to note that there is indeed a mental health crisis in our nation and in the world. Too often times in my daily job I see many people with mental illness that haven't been dealt with. The vast majority of individuals with substance use in the U.S. are not receiving treatment. 15.35% of adults had substance use in the past year. Of them, 93.5% did not receive any form of treatment. Millions of adults in the U.S. experience serious thoughts of suicide with the highest rate among multiracial individuals. The percentage of adults reporting serious thoughts of suicide are 4.84%, totaling about 12.1 million people. Over 1 in 10 youth in the U.S. are experiencing depression, that is severely impairing their ability to function at school, at work, at home with family or in their social life. 16.39% of youth ages 12 through 17 report suffering from at least one major depression depressive episode. In the past year, 11.5% of youth, over 2.7 million youth, are experiencing severe major depression. Why? Look at the culture in which we live. Would you be confused if you were a young person? The standard comes from so many people. Even sometimes maybe their teachers in school may lead them down roads that they don't need to be led. And when they get to college, radical college professors and things of that nature who want to press an agenda upon our young people, they get that from their college professors. No wonder they are confused. No wonder they are confused. Almost a third or 23.2% of adults with a mental illness reported that they were not able to receive the treatment they needed. 42% of adults with an acute mental illness reported that they were unable to receive necessary care because they could not afford it. That's a sad thing in the society in which we live 6.34% of youth in the U.S. reported a substance use disorder in the past year. And that is equivalent to over 1.5 million youth in the U.S. who met the criteria for an illicit drug or alcohol use disorder. Remember the days when we were growing up? Just say no. just say no. Last statistic I want to share with you, and this was from a study that came out last year in 2023. 59.8% of youth with major depression do not receive any mental health treatment. Asian youth with major depression were least likely to receive specialty mental health care with 78% reporting that they did not receive mental health services in the past year and the state of South Carolina one of our neighbors the lowest ranking state nearly 8 in 10 youth with depression do not receive care we've got issues we've got major issues Those things that are in our culture oftentimes carry over into where? The church. And we as Christians have to study our Bibles and make proper application of those things that we study so that that we don't end up in the same situation of many of these individuals. Yes, our physical health is important. Our mental health is important too. Ultimately, the most important thing is our spiritual health. Where are you getting the things that are necessary for your spiritual health? I hope that it's from God's Word. I hope that it's when we come together and worship in spirit and in truth. I hope that while you study your Bibles on Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings, that you're not only stopping there for an hour and a half of study of the Bible every Week, but that you're studying on your own on a daily basis to make sure what you're doing is according to God's will. We've got issues. Let us, as Christians, be a light in a society that is so dark. Let us show by example how things should go and how things should be if you're following the teachings of Jesus Christ. Let us as Christians, let our light shine that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. We've got issues. But we're going to have bigger issues if we don't address the issues that we face today. Ultimately, it boils down to the individual's choices, doesn't it? As an individual, you may have issues. You may be looking to the culture or the world to give you answers. You may be looking to your feelings, your friends, your conscience, even religious leaders as answers. But be looking to God's Word for the answers that you need in your life. There may be some here this morning who have never responded to the Lord's invitation, who have never become a Christian. The Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You must hear the Word of God. You must believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Confess Him with the mouth that He is the Son of God. Repent of your sins. Stop sinning on purpose. As we mentioned before, the time of ignorance and not knowing God overlooked but now commands every man everywhere to repent. Acts chapter 17 and verse 30. And you're to be buried in that watery grave of baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. Do we have any responsibility after we become a Christian? Absolutely. We're to look to God and His Word for the strength and guidance that we need to remain faithful unto death to receive that crown of life. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10. Keep living your life as a Christian. And as many of you know, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7. The blood of Jesus Christ will continually cleanse you from your sins if you walk in the light as He is in the light. There may be some who have committed public sin and need to repent publicly. Or perhaps you just need the prayers and thoughts of your brothers and sisters in Christ. If you have a need to respond to the Lord's invitation to become a Christian or to repent of your sins, won't you come forward as together we stand and as we sing?